God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have blessed us so richly with this house, God. We thank you for church. We thank you for this next generation of leaders coming up, propelling and pushing your word forward, God. That we might give the world some hope, that we might demonstrate it in grace and faith in your wonderful and amazing name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for everything. Praise your name. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, amen. Can we get a really, really big uproarious, like, round of applause for our worship team? They, they knocked it out of the park. It was so, so good. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? We're all good. We're happy to be in the house of the Lord today. It's a beautiful Sunday. It's starting to actually kind of get cold again outside, so it's good to be in here. Um, I just want to start by thanking uh, Jess and everybody else on the Next Gen team and, and everything they've done to kind of get this, uh, this, get this going to help engage in the younger generation. Um, I also kind of want to start by explaining what Next Gen is because I think some of you may, may not know or you might be sitting at home watching on Facebook. And, and you really don't know what we're talking about when we say that we're doing a next-gen service today. So I want to kind of uh, talk about that. Um, started about a year ago. We had a good friend of our church, a man named Dean Briggs, come to the church. And uh, he wanted to kind of go over some things regarding what he's seeing in the church and what's happening in the church as a whole. And, and sort of not just this specific church, but churches all kind of all around North America. And, and some of the issues that we're seeing and some of the ways we can remedy it and what we can do and um, what he sort of was noticing or what, we, what he brought up primarily is that a lot of the millennial generation, the sort of next generation coming up, uh, guys basically, men and women basically my age and, and a bit younger uh, are actually leaving the church and it's, and it's heartbreaking, it's really awful and we don't want to see that happen, but they're leaving because they don't feel relevant in the church. They don't feel that church service is really relevant for them. Uh, and they're feeling incredibly disengaged from church. So they're, they're leaving. And a lot of these are still, people are still living like sort of small C Christian lives, but they're not, they're sorry, they're doing it sort of separated from the body of Christ. And we all know that, yeah, you can be a Christian, but faith is alive and active. And if, and, and if you're not in the body of Christ, it's, it's, it's a little detrimental and you can you can kind of go backwards, and it's very easy to slip away. We don't want to see anybody slip away. We don't want to see anybody fall out of, uh, fall from faith or fall from grace. We don't want to see any of that. So, um, he presented us with like a, uh, oh, it was it was a study that was done, and it was done uh, amongst a, a couple hundred sort of millennial age generation men and women, both Christian and non-Christian. And one of the questions in the survey was, is what do you feel is kind of missing from your social life? You know, we've got social media, we've got all these things, all these avenues that we can take, but are you still feeling connected or is there something missing? And overwhelmingly, a huge majority of these people responded with that they feel that there's a lack of a sense of community. Well, you kind of piece that together. If you walk away from community and complain about it not being there, it makes it a little difficult, but uh, this is what we're seeing, all right? This is why we're seeing so many different Facebook groups, Instagram groups, all trying to build this sense of community. There's fitness communities, parenting communities, um, Star Wars fan pages. The list goes on. <laughs> the list goes on. Um, but it's all designed to help 
fill a void that a lot of people have because they miss community. And, and it's unfortunate. And again, it's really heartbreaking to see. Um, so when Dean was here, the leadership team kind of all got together. We've got a really diverse group. We've got a lot of sort of the older generation, a lot of the younger generation in there. So we all got together and we sort of pitched ideas back and forth at how the older generation can help the younger generation come up and lead, how the uh, younger generation can step up and, uh, and help in, in church and what we can do to help sort of not just retain, but actually go out and, 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 and bring people to the knowledge of God. How can we do this? How can we re-engage this younger generation into our church? Um, so one of the, <laughs> one of the ways we can do that is by developing this next gen group. And we did that and we, well, this is the fruit of the labor is that we have a really amazing church service today, all put on by the, by the younger generation, all kind of put on and organized by Jess and, and everybody. And we're all so happy to do it. So a couple of weeks ago when Jess emailed me and asked me if I could speak here and, and speak and be a part of this, I jumped at the chance. I was honored. I was, I was blown away by just the opportunity, and I was happy to do it. Um, and I was happy to do it not just out of uh, my love of God and, and my appreciation for who Jesus is and, and what he's done in my life, but I was happy to do it because of this house specifically. Um, I love this church. I love Desert Stream. I love our pastoral team. I love everybody in here, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderfully humbling opportunity to get to speak in front of you guys today. So for maybe some of you who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of background here. My wife and I, with our two daughters, uh, have been coming here for about nine, it's actually, it'll be nine years in February. Yeah, wow, really, seriously, wow. We started coming here when my youngest daughter was, uh, she had just turned one. She'll be 10 in January. So it's, it's been an amazing experience. And this church has been through, or been with us through highs and lows. My wife was saved in this church. Um, we've, We've received so much care and so much love from everybody in here. Uh, we were all four of us were baptized on the same day up here in front of the stage. It was just an incredible day. So for me to be able to speak in front of you guys is just as, it's amazing. Um, and I couldn't be happier to do it. So with that being said, when Jess asked me uh, to speak, I was really excited. Um, really, really excited. I was blown away by it. But I had, after the excitement kind of wore off, I really didn't know what to say. Really, honestly, I, I beat in my head against the wall. I had no idea what I was going to talk about when it comes to that millennial generation, this generation. There are so many things that we could talk about. And I did not know what to put on paper and what to speak in front of everybody. I had no idea. And it reminded me of something. <laughs> reminded me of something. My wife and I, during the sort of the, the peak of the quarantine over this past year, my wife and I, uh, decided because we couldn't go to the gym anymore, we had to start working out at home. So we started working out at home. We decided we actually like it a lot more than going to the gym. Going to the gym is kind of a, a bit of an awkward experience, not very much fun, but when we work out at home, you turn the music up as loud as you want. You can worship while you, while you work out. It's really cool. So we decided, hey, why don't we convert our garage into a gym? Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea, right? So we started. We started planning stuff out. And what do we need? I need a squat rack. I need this. And we need dumbbells. And we need a uh, elliptical, and we priced it all out. You can do it fairly cheap used, and we're like, yeah, this is, oh, yes, we're going to have a gym. And then I opened the door in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I had to traverse my garage like Indiana Jones at the end of uh, The Last Crusade, tripping over camping gear and baby clothes and Christmas decorations. I had, look, I, and in fear of an avalanche in there trapping me for days on, and I had to leave and step back and go, where do I even start in here? <sighs> I kind of <laughs> felt the same way when Jess asked me to speak and the excitement had finally worn off is, yeah! <sighs> what? Where do I start? So I brought it to God in prayer. And I said, where? Do you, where? where do I even begin? And uh, he prompted me. He started reminding me. He says, why don't we start where you started? Oh, wow. So I started thinking about where I started. I was 26 years old. I was a tow truck driver. I was the father of two young and adorable daughters, and I had a beautiful fiance. I was doing, outside looking in, I was doing all right. But the fact of the matter is, I was very broken, very, very broken. Young dad dealing with a lot of personal issues not making a lot of money, borderline broke. And when I say broke, I mean it was genuinely in a lot of cases a choice between putting gas in the car and buying groceries. And if I didn't put gas in the car, I couldn't go to work to make more money to buy groceries. Like It was this really awful cycle. It was really, really hard. So you start beating yourself down, or I started beating myself down. Here I am in a relationship with an amazing woman that I am absolutely pushing away from me because I don't feel love. I don't feel grace. I don't feel anything except depression and anxiety and doubt. Doubt that I was being a good dad, doubt, the, doubt that I was being a good husband, doubt that I was just any good at all. Things weren't good. They weren't good. To say the least, they weren't good. I knew about God, but I didn't have an actual relationship with God. I didn't know him. I knew who he was. I understand the concept of who God is, but really that's kind of where it ended. So while I was driving my tow truck, I, I honestly, I remember exactly where it was. Every time I drive by where it was, I remember this exact moment without fail. And uh, <laughs> slipping around radio stations, and I landed on UCB. And it was Ravi Zacharias, who is a, was, and unfortunately he's passed away, but was a brilliant, brilliant speaker, an amazing speaker. And he started talking about God's grace and God's forgiveness, and the forgiveness that we find in Jesus. And it broke me, absolutely broke me, that there's nothing that we can actually do to earn it. I have spent my entire life working to earn something and to tell me that you don't have to anymore. You don't, to get that forgiveness, to get that grace in your life, there's nothing you can do. Just believe, and just believe, and put your faith in Christ, and it broke me. I'm crying in the tow truck, trying to drive through tears. And my thought it was raining how much I was crying. It was, it was I, I just an absolute mess. That no amount of good deeds, good intentions, none of that actually saves, but God's grace through faith were saved. It broke me. It broke me. So I, I started thinking about, well, what was I given that day? Where did I actually start? Where did somebody as hopeless and hurt and broken as, as me actually start with this whole journey with Jesus? And it started with hope. 
when I heard Ravi Zacharias talk, I, I didn't, I, I, I mean, I gave my, my life to Christ that night. Yes, that's true. But what prompted me to do it was that there was hope for somebody like me. I was given hope. So that's where I wanted to start today. Especially considering, we're, hey, we're coming into the Christmas season. It's a, it's a great time to hope. This is when hope first started for if you're a Christian, you're a new believer, or you're an old believer, you know the Christmas story is when Jesus came. And that's where hope starts. And that's why we're all here today. We got Christmas decorations. It's so wonderful, by the way, to walk in here and see all the Christmas decorations up. I love it. It's so good. So, with, but especially with everything kind of going on in the world today with social unrest and health, mental, mental health declining, uh, people are struggling. And what they need, especially this year, having everything thrown at them like they have, what they need is a little bit of hope. So if you have one, grab your Bible. I, I want to I preach out of today or talk a little bit about oh, Romans 15. Chapter 5. What we're seeing here in Romans 15, chapter 5, is Paul starting off with a group of believers in Rome. He's basically preaching to his church, and he's instructing them on how to be with one another, how to interact, how to, how to love one another, basically. And he says this, Romans 15, 5, he says, May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify, the God, glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order that you might bring praise to God. So what Paul's doing is he's, he's pushing this idea that we need, to, we need to treat each other. We need to love each other. We need to be with one another. If you see somebody hurting, it's okay. Accept them the same way that Christ accepted you. Effectively, what he's saying is, is make room at the table, right? St sit aside. Let your, let your brother sit beside you, okay? We're all in this together. Forever that was ever true, it's, it's in here. It's this now. Make room. Move aside, bring him, put your arm around him, care about him. And a few verses later, he kind of bookends that idea with this. In uh, Romans 15, 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of Holy Spirit. So he bookends that idea with this. Here's what I want you to do. And here's what I want you to give them. is hope, peace, and joy. Accept each other. Welcome one another in. And here's what you need to give them. Give them some hope. You give them some hope. So I want to break down what that kind of verse says about hope. First off, that hope builds peace. Peace has kind of been a hijacked word by this by an older generation, I should say, because most people, when they think of peace, they think of VW microbuses, weird psychedelic music, and guys that look like Tommy Chong. It's not a good scene, but that's not what peace is. Like I said, it's been hijacked from us. The actual word peace, if you look at the biblical context of what peace actually is, it's having faith in God's promises and plans. That's what peace is. 
It doesn't mean that you know how everything's going to work out, okay? Quite often enough, usually how you think it's going to work out is far, far from how God actually has it all planned out and figured out, okay? Case in point, Jesus himself, okay? The Jewish community wanted a knight, a king on a horse, and what they got was a baby in a barn. That's what they got. That's how God worked it out. It's a little bit different than what they actually figured, right? But in our obedience, regardless of which way that road turns, we have confidence in what God's plans are for our lives. It's never going to go smoothly. It rarely does, okay? There's a lot that you're probably still going to go through, even if you have Jesus in your heart. It doesn't necessarily make it easier, but the plan's there. The destination's there. The destination's set out. So have faith and be strong in what God has promised, right? That's where peace lies. It's not, it's not a matter of complacency. Peace is confidence. And walking in obedience Christ with Christ, knowing that he's in charge of the outcome. That's where peace comes from. The next part is that hope builds joy. Hope builds joy. You ever been around somebody that's like, like really, really joyful, really happy all the time? If you ever hung out with Mark Henshaw, you know kind of what I'm talking about. The, the man just overflows, kind of like that verse says, with joy and peace and happiness, and it, it's infectious. It kind of gets on you, and you usually have a smile on your face after you're done having a coffee with the guy. It's wonderful. But in the same way, you can bump into people who are maybe down, a little bit of a bummer to be around, and that can even affect your day. I have a, <laughs> even a little bit of hope can, can bring joy out in a person. I have a friend of mine at work, and uh, every day I sit down with him, every week I sit down with him to get follow-up where I work, and every, every week he buys a lot of ticket, right? It's not really hope, it's kind of just wishful thinking, but <laughs> he sits down, and we, we sort of chat, and we tell, I tell him about what happened on the line during the day and everything else, and he goes, he goes, you know what, I don't even have to worry about this anymore because I'm winning the lottery tonight. 50 million bucks in my pocket. I'm doing donuts in a Corvette in the parking lot with a horn that sings La Cucaracha. It's going to be awesome. Okay. And even, you know, as for as thinly veiled as it is, it is kind of funny, right? Like, I, I can't help but have a smile on my face after I'm done talking to him about it. Truth be told, I kind of hope he wins. I want to see him do donuts in the parking lot. I think that'd be really funny, right? <laughs> but even that little bit of hope, and it's not really hope in anything. It's just hope in a bunch of random numbers that you purchase for, I don't know, what is it, four bucks or however much it is. That's what your hope rests in. And even that little bit of hope brings out this joy in them, and it's, it's infectious. You, you can't help but smile when you're talking to them. And <laughs> it kills me every time, but it's not, it's not real hope, right? Again, it's just, just wishful thinking kind of masquerading as hope. So what we have here, though, what we have in Christ is the real hope. That's what hope is. So we're joyous. We're joyous because of what God's done for us. It's not thinly veiled. It's not wishful thinking. It's nothing like that. It's genuine hope in that God has a plan for us. He's, he's purpose-built us. He's, he loves us unendingly. And that's where our kind of joy comes from, is that we're a son and daughter of God. The second we say yes to Jesus, boom. Here's your spot at the table. Sit down. Have dinner. Let's relax, right? Chat with Dad. It's so, so, so good. So good. So it's the same 
joy that becomes infectious when a 26-year-old dad cries in the windshield of, at the windshield of a tow truck because he's just been so convicted and he knows he needs to change and he knows he needs Jesus. That's where that joy comes from. It comes from that hope. The last part of it is, is that hope builds others. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that being around somebody who's happy, like, where, like I said before, it kind of has a tendency to rub off on you. Well, hope can kind of do the same thing. If you've ever been around somebody who's, who has no hope, when I say that, I don't mean that they're hopeless and we should, we should avoid them or, or, or discredit them. I mean somebody who's been, who's been hurt, right, who's been broken down. If you've, ever, if you've ever been around them, there's one or two roots you can take with that person, right? You can kind of feed off them, right? And if you're not careful, you can, you can kind of fall into that sense of hopelessness as well. Or you can bring the light that God told us to bring when we bring Jesus into a room, right? You can bring that hope into that person's life. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It means there are probably going to be tears, right? There's probably going to be some long conversations. But we're carriers of the gospel. We're the carriers of Jesus, right? He saved us to, give us, to continue to give hope to others. One of the verses I found, and it's, it's kind of used a lot, with regards to, to hope and, and everything else, is Proverbs 13, 15, and it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. People are longing, especially now, especially with the threat of lockdown again and quarantine and everything else going on. I, I really wanted to do a sermon. I didn't have to mention COVID, but I, okay. So it's the nature of what we're dealing with right now, so we kind of have to deal with it. There are so many people longing for hope again. It's, it's hurting, right? We are living in a hurting society right now. Loneliness, right? Depression, all this stuff is on the rise, and it's all rooted in hopelessness. And it's our mandate, it's kind of what we're to do, is to bring, bring hope back again, right? Church isn't about retention anymore. It's about mission. Just as joy or just as hope is to overflow out of us, it's to overflow out of the four walls of this building, too. If we're not active in the body of Christ outside of these four walls, we're not going to see hope restored to those who need it the most. So, but how does hope do all this? How does it do it? How does it bring joy? How does it build peace? How does it influence others to hope again? It can be healing. But how does it do it? It's because of who its author is. It's because of Jesus. That's why. When, when I was 26 and I was broken in my heart, my heart began to turn because of the hope I had in Jesus and his goodness and how much he loves me. And my heart turned because, not because of what hope is, but because of who hope is. The Bible says that by his grace I'm saved, that by his stripes I'm healed, that he will never leave me or forsake me, that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. That's who hope is. While he was hanging on that cross, I, I, you guys did the, the song a uh, hundred million times. 
You had to play that song today, seriously? That song wrecks me every time I hear it. Every single time. The light of the world abandoned in darkness to die for us. And it's not for us in some ambiguous way, like whoever wants to come can come. No. He died. He hung on that cross with you, specifically on his heart and mind. Your name specifically on the end of his tongue, praying, loving, dying for you, specifically. And we need to remember that. So how do we reach this generation? How do we reach it? By showing them the same love that Jesus showed us. And what do they need from us? It's hope. Romans 5, it's hope. It's what they need from us. But we need to be the ones that engage them. You likely have friends, coworkers, family, or just people in your circle that God has kind of put there intentionally. He's put them in front of you because of the hope that you bring to a situation. Again, this isn't about retention and holding people in church and keeping them here and trying to keep our numbers up. It doesn't matter. It's about mission. It's about getting out there. It's about engaging culture, and it's about engaging people who are hurting and hopeless, and they need you. That's what they need. They need the hope that you bring. Hope does amazing things in a person's life. It does. It invigorates them. It lets them know that they're not alone. Maybe that you've been through the same things that they've been through, and you came out of it. You walked through it. And then it doesn't mean it goes perfectly. It doesn't. Rarely does it ever go perfectly. But we have the perfect one on our side. We have Jesus. And that's what people need. Ultimately, it's always going to be about Jesus. It's always going to be about him. Because that's where our hope is found. In Christ alone, right? My hope is found. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. And I just wish that everybody could feel the same hope that we as Christians feel, but they can't feel it without Jesus. That's just the way it is. They need to come. And we need to go more specifically. Hope encourages, hope builds, hope gives purpose. It gives life. It is, <laughs> it's life-giving because it's found in Jesus. I want to kind of finish off today with a story. I was kind of debating whether or not to, to tell it. I didn't know if I, if I should. I actually didn't even know how comfortable I'd be telling a story, but I wanted to tell a story. It's an illustration, and it's just meant to illustrate what hope looks like, practically, real, right? Um, hold on. I want to tell you a story about a good friend of mine named Jackson. Four years ago, my wife and I, we bought our house. It was about six months after we got married, we bought our house, I think. My wife and I have been together for 13 years. We've been married for four. So <laughs> we came here very, very broken. We, uh, we bought our house four years ago. And my brother and his fiance, uh, an absolutely amazing couple, and we love them to death, uh, Michael and Sarah, said, listen, we want to get you uh, a housewarming gift. We know you guys love dogs. Can we get you a dog? I said, yeah, I love dogs. I said, but, and if you know my story, I am surrounded by estrogen in my house. I have two daughters, a wife. We have three cats. They're all girls. I need a buddy. I need a dude. It's got to be a boy. 
okay? Can we just make it that? He said, yeah, sure, no problem. All right, cool. Uh, he says, we want to get you. We found these really cute corgi puppies. We want to get you one. I said, listen, I, I love it. And, and far be it for me to tell you what to give me as a gift, but puppies are great. I work shift work, and so does my wife, and we do not have time to train a puppy, right? I said, can we get a rescue dog? I love rescue dogs. They're fiercely loyal. They love you, and I just, I love mutts, right? So <laughs> he, says, he says, yeah, sure. So we went down to the Humane Society, and we walk in, and there's all these dogs just pawing and barking and making a bunch of noise. They're so excited to see us. And then we walk by this one kennel, and there's this yellow lab cross mutt older dog just kind of laying there, giving up. Wasn't eating properly. He wasn't barking. He wasn't happy really to see anybody. He just kind of laid there. Oh, buddy. Come here. So we put a leash on him. And we walked him. And he's got a great big, like, red and blue tongue hanging out of his mouth. He's a big, dopey dog. He had no teeth. The poor guy was found on some back road uh, abandoned. And, and he was hurting. And he had given up when we saw him. He wasn't even really eating properly. He was really emaciated, really kind of thin. So that's what we picked. I love Jackson, right? We brought him in. Actually, my brother-in-law, or my brother and my sister-in-law brought him over to the house, right? I, I picked him up, dropped him off at, at their apartment because they wanted to be the ones that give it to us. They love seeing reactions of people's gifts and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so I picked up the dog to drop off at my brother's apartment for them to drop him off to us. It was kind of strange. But so they brought it in, and the kids were so excited. They remember Jackson from the Humane Society, and they loved him, and it was, you know, so he starts sniffing around and everything. And he starts following me relentlessly. I remember thinking about it, going, this must be what, like, Holy Spirit's like, right? Like, he just kind of, he's always there, kind of walking around with me. <laughs> and he's always there to kind of, like, guide me, because that's what Jackson would do. I'd get up in the morning, and I'd go to walk down my steps out of my bedroom, and he'd stand right in front of me as if to go, like, nope, you got to go to the bathroom first, right over there. <laughs> All right, I'll go to the bathroom, and then we could go downstairs, and that's when he got a treat or he had breakfast or whatever. Always with me. I work shift work, right? I, I work at a, a big manufacturing plant here, and so I sleep during the day. I, I work nights, and <laughs> he would sleep in the bedroom with me, and if I didn't let him sleep in the bedroom with me, he would sleep outside the bedroom door and not move until I got up. <laughs> he was my buddy, and he loved me and I loved him and he was he was my friend because he had no teeth we had to make homemade dog food for him like every week we make it and it's because we loved him that's all and he went from being emaciated and 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 no hope to being this 60 pound playful older dog but playful and loving and we have young adults come over and he would just visit each individual one one at a time, get his pit pats, get a treat, snuggle up on me, and then we'd talk about whatever we were talking about. <laughs> and then he got sick. He got sick. And, and it was really hard, right? It's, it's hard to see a friend deteriorate in the way that he did. He stopped eating again. He stopped walking, right? He started making messes on the floor, and 
And it hurt. It really hurt. It was a year ago yesterday that he passed away. And he was my friend, and I loved him a lot. And uh, it was really difficult. But what I learned was is that he's not, he wasn't kind of in our life to show us what Holy Spirit's like. He wasn't in my life to show me that. He was in my life to show me how I'm supposed to care for people. That when I walk by a kennel or a room or somebody, I see somebody, you can tell when somebody's down. You can tell when somebody's hurting, when somebody's lost hope. Go talk to them. Go love on them. Go care about them. Listen, let's go for coffee. Let's go chill out. What, what are you dealing with? Ah, man, I, you know, I know. I've been through that too. It sucks. It's hard. Can I tell you about somebody who can help? Help me. And it wasn't church. I mean, church helps. Yeah, it was Jesus. Jesus rescued me. He gave me hope. In the same way that Jackson went from a 45-pound, lazy, hurting, sore dog, he went to a 60-pound, playful, big guy who loved people and cared about people. And even up until his last day with us, you could tell he loved us. I loved him. And it was really hard to see him go. But I learned something from his life. And that's how we're supposed to treat others. And even though, yeah, you could say, well, he's just a dog, uh, he's a member of the family, and we miss him dearly. We got a new dog now, by the way, and I'm even more surrounded by estrogen because she's a puppy, and she's a female, and she's a Jack Russell Rottweiler mix. Like, who thought that up? She is a complete basket case, but we love her to death, and in the same way, she was an adoption dog, right? Like, her, her owner couldn't take care of her anymore. We didn't want to see somebody else or another dog go through that kind of abandonment, so we brought her into our house, and she's a member of the family, too. For as much as she annoys me, she is a member of our family, and I love her. <laughs> I miss my dog. I do. But what I learned from that relationship, from being with my buddy, I only had him for two and a half years, and I bawled like a baby that day. I learned how to love people the way that Jesus loves us, right? And I just want to leave you with that today. That what are we supposed to do? Where do we even start? As this next generation, where do we start? We start with hope, and it's, the only, it's only the hope found in Jesus. That's where we start. That's what we bring to people. That's what we bring to a broken, hurt, and dying world is the love of Christ. And you can do it in word. You can care for people. You make them dinner. You do whatever. Do it out of a love for God. Do it out of wanting to bring them to Jesus because Jesus wants them. He died for them just like he died for us. And he desperately wants them to know him. You mind just stand with me today? We'll close in prayer. God, thank you so much. I just want to thank you, God, for this next generation, for this leadership team, for this group of young believers, God. I thank you for what you've put on our hearts, Father, to expand your kingdom, to expand on the number of those who know you, God. That it isn't just about keeping people in a church, God, that it is about bringing church to people. Father, I just pray this, that as we go out today and the rest of our week, as we carry on with our lives in knowing you, that you put people in our path. That you highlight them. In the same way that Jackson, my dog, was highlighted with me in that kennel, God, could you highlight those people to everybody here in this church? 
so that we can minister to them, so that we can bring them to you, God, so that we can be carriers of the love of Christ, God, that so we can bring Jesus to the people because that is what people need right now. God, that there is so much hurt going on, so much hurt going on, God. We want to see it end just as bad as you do, Father. Help us bring Jesus to people, God. We want to minister. We want, we want hope again, not just for us, but for others. God, I thank you for everybody in this church today. I thank you for everybody listening online. I thank you for uh, the reach that you've given this church today, God. And I just thank you for everything, for your grace, for your salvation. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the life that he lived, the life that he gave, and the life that he gives us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a real pleasure. It's uh, been a bit of a stressful couple of days because I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about still. But thank you so much. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week in Christ. Uh, don't forget, bring hope. Bring hope to the world. Um, Mark, are you doing the Zoom meetings today too? You are? So if you want to sign in and chat and get some prayer, uh, Mark Henshaw is going to be lo- uh, leading a Zoom call for anybody who wants. All right? Thank you. God bless you guys. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to Check in with us next week. Be a part of our expression again and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless.